Hello and welcome to this Glass Tire podcast. I'm Brandon Zeck. This is the third in a series of five podcasts that we recorded live at the 2019 Satellite Art Show at the Museum of Human Achievement in Austin, Texas. Satellite is an art fair dedicated to showing young dealers, artist-run spaces, and nonprofits, and this inaugural Austin event ran concurrently with South by Southwest. In the DIY spirit of Satellite, we set up shop in a van outside of the fair and used it as a sound booth to record these podcasts. This episode, recorded on the fair's third day, was guest hosted by Jill Schroeder of Grey Duck Gallery in Austin. Jill and I talked about what it's like running a gallery in Austin, performances at Satellite, and a big show by an under-recognized artist happening now in New York. This episode also features two other conversations with Satellite exhibiting artists, the first with Houston artist Jumper Maybach, and the second with Kyle Heinley of the Off-Center Art Center. Enjoy. Everything's dusty. It's just dusty out here. It's really dusty. Yeah. Yeah. I find, I find it weird. I'm sitting at the back of a van, looking out at a dirt parking lot. Why is that weird to you? <laughs> um, I guess I never thought of myself in this kind of a situation before. <laughs> I don't know if many people think of themselves in a situation of sitting in the back, back of, of a van, van looking at a dirt parking lot. <laughs> I feel yeah. like of all the fantasies that are out there, that's, that's not one of them. Uh-uh. Maybe it is. It you know, I don't know movie. everyone else's story. It <laughs> could be. So we're in front of the Satellite Art Fair, which is being held at the Museum of Human Achievement in Austin, Texas. And I'm Brandon Zach. And I am Jill Schroeder from Grey Duck Gallery. And we're going to talk about art, Austin, the Satellite Art Fair. We just saw performance art. Yes. That's been a theme of these podcasts. The performance, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was tr- struck by the smells. I mean, you walk in, there was this pile of, I guess, manure dirt. Um, so you get this really earthy smell. And then the performer piled all the dirt on top of her and then started doing her nails. And then that smell kind of hits you in the face, too. So... Mm-hmm. This I really is, like that element to the piece. Yeah, this is Christian Cruz, a Dallas-based performance artist uh, that's performing at Satellite as part of Performance is Alive, uh, the performance art aspect of the fair. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what did you think of her makeup? I was a little dis- uh, like uncomfortable with her makeup. And what made you uncomfortable about I it? I think it was her nose, like the, the whiteness of the nose and then the red. Um, I'm not sure. It seemed clown-like to me a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, I'm curious on your take of, of it. I'm not sure what my take was. Okay. So makeup, blue lips. Mm. Um, um, applique or like lace on her eyelids. Jeweled, bedazzled sections. Yes. Almost pearl, pearlescent cheeks. cheeks. And then like little flower appliques on her forehead. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw a performance of hers in the past and it dealt with Latino identity. Um, and I think this piece was a little bit of the same and yeah. she was just painting her nails over and over again sitting in this big pile of dirt you know up to her up to her armpits basically yes um and the pose she's got that pose down she puts her hands on her cheek and her neck and kind of tilts her head sideways um 
No, she acknowledges the audience. Yes. She engages, but not, not in a forceful way, just enough. Yes. As someone walks in, she looks at them and smiles. Um, it's, as, yeah. It's very sweet. It's very rare that you can call a performance sweet. And I don't mean that in any sort of negative or condescending way. Yeah. I, it's, it's very non-threatening as far as performance art goes also. Yes. But coming from an introvert um, um, version of looking at that, like mm -hmm. I... Like, I'm more of a 2D viewer, and so as she's looking at me, I'm like, okay, do I look back at her? Do I, you know, do I smile back at her? So it's kind of this weird um, experience for me because the art is looking back at me. Um, so it's a little disconcerting. A little bit. Yeah. So impressions on the satellite art fair? Uh, I think I am more excited about the performance um, aspect of the fair. Mm -hmm. um, so I saw Sarah Sudhoff before um, when I got here, and um, so she, I've, I've heard about this performance. She's a Houston-based artist, um, and um, she's holding frozen mother's milk against her naked body, um, and just, it's dripping down off of her, and just the drip off of her toe, um, and then the milk, like, flowing into the crack of the wooded, the wood floor. Um, was, I mean, you can't, you can't see that in a photograph. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's really cool. So I'm kind of excited that I'm getting, I'm being exposed to performance art that I haven't been before here in Austin. Mm -hmm. What do you think of the performance art scene in Austin as far as that goes? Um, I mean, there's Fusebox. So Fusebox kind of gives us that. But, I mean, there isn't a festival like there was in Houston just recently. I don't think we have that. Or I'm ignorant about the fact that we have something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, Austin is, is smaller and, and tries to uh, be a big city. But <laughs> I don't know if that we always are. I think we struggle with that, honestly. Um, well, kind of in line with that, satellite is a fair that's about artist-run spaces and collectives and kind of smaller emerging galleries and whenever I think of Austin I always think about you know if I have to summarize it to other people in Texas I say that a lot of Austin is younger kids doing stuff in unair-conditioned warehouses <laughs> because you know the very first time I visited Austin's art scene or you know the first time I visited more than the contemporary in the Blanton yeah um, was when I started with Glass Tire and going around to all these spaces that's what it was or at least that's what it felt like you know coming from Houston and coming from commercial galleries and yeah. you know a scene that was maybe a few more established nonprofits than Austin has also in terms of the art aspect of everything right right um but that kind of breeds a really interesting go-gettedness among Austin's young people that you know alternative spaces are just kind of the way that things get done here that's exactly true i mean i have artists coming from like new york and california and and they're like what's the art scene here and like i want to get a job at an art gallery like well start your own is my, my advice to them um i mean although it's getting harder because of the rents um and property taxes here but i feel like um people just want to have a show so then they'll do it like i mean collab's been around forever and I'm excited that they've finally 
have their own land now. Um, yeah, so that's one of the problems that has been among Austin artists and art spaces is that no one owns their spaces and everyone rents for the, for the most part and that collab projects which is a nonprofit that's been around for i don't know eight years and started as oh it's been longer than that longer than that yeah um they were around when i just got here and that was 13 years ago oh geez yeah so well they were just getting started 13 years ago yeah but you know they're they're one of those places that they're a nonprofit now and they started as like a little project in a, like a garage space and they've grown into uh, uh, an organization that can have shows in buildings like in downtown Austin. Yeah, they've they've had some spectacular shows and it's kind of been cool to see them grow over the years. Um, the 13 years I've been here, I've seen I've seen us go up and down and up and down and up and down and I don't know what the solution is. I mean, I think I think you're right. I think us starting to own, like I own my property and Collab owns theirs. Um, I hope more can do that. I know Women in Their Work is looking for space to buy. Um, and, and with that, there's just more permanence. You don't, you know, have to be on the whim of landlords. Um, but I think we're going to be a lot more spread out than we have been before. Tell me a little bit about your space. You're located on Cesar Chavez in East Austin. Yes. Um, uh, how did that come about? What brought you to Austin? Because you're not a native. I'm not a native. Aust <laughs> Austonian, Austinite. Um, so I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, and my, well, he was my boyfriend at the time, but my husband now, um, we wanted to move somewhere else. And so we both look, were looking for jobs and and uh, Mark got a paramedic job down here in Austin, and I really didn't know anything about Austin at all. Um, I didn't, except for South by Southwest. So everybody knows South by Southwest. <laughs> yes, yeah. Even everyone knows the myth of South by Southwest. Exactly. I'd never been, um, but I knew some people who had. So um, I went inside after he asked me, "How about Austin?" And I'm like, "Okay." And so I. Um, I googled restaurants because I wanted to make sure that there wasn't just barbecue down here. Nice. And I found Good Uchi. Assumption. I found Uchi. So I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. Um, so I had a really, t well, so I was in, um, I was a practicing artist, but I was also um, working in branding and marketing um, in like the food industry. And so when I came down here, like my network was kind of, um, it kind of disappeared. It didn't reach down to the southern southern states. So I did some consulting for a while, um, but I had a really good friend who ran an outsider gallery in Minneapolis, and we started talking, and I just felt like I was an artist. I've been in branding and marketing. I really loved Yuri's um, um, gallery in Minneapolis. Why not? Why not open a gallery? Um, of course, the recession was happening. <laughs> that's, a, that's a perfect pairing. Why not open a gallery? At the same time, a lot of galleries are shutting. Are closing, yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't a well-thought-out plan, honestly. But um, So I rented on um, in South Austin um, for four years. Um, and I was kind of running out of money. So um, 
we thought if we combined our mortgage with the gallery, then that would be um, something um, that's more affordable. So we do a live work kind of situation, um, which is kind of crazy, living with your art all the time. I kind of like it. There are a few people that do that. There's a gallery in Houston that runs it that way. And, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people have approached that, especially the younger gallerist, as a way to kind of make the hustle work. Well, and that's how Collab started, too. Mm -hmm. Sean was up in the loft area of Collab. So, I, you know, I'm not as young as most of those kids who are doing that. But um, it seems to work. Yeah, it seems to work. And so um, I started out showing a lot of, like, northern artists because um, that's where my network was. Um, but now I've, I've gotten to know Central Texas a lot better and, and love the art scene down here. And I'm kind of excited to show um, more Texas artists more and more. So, Switching gears just a little bit, um, you also just got back from New York. I did. I did. Tell me what you saw and how it was. Um, so I went, and forgive me if I don't say her name properly, but Hilma of Clint at the Guggenheim, um, and I loved it. Oh, my God. Why did you love it? Um, this, this show has been widely reviewed and very well liked and yes. praised. Yes. And I mean, I... So just the breadth of her work, like they even give you inklings of like what she did at the um, Academy. Um, so she's, you know, she had done landscapes and all of that. She'd also worked as an illustrator for um, a science, scientific like books and, and journals. So you knew she was very detailed oriented. She's a very capable painter, um, but she was also a spiritualist. And so she, um, kind of had spirits tell her what to paint mm -hmm. which I feel like gave her a freedom especially at that point in time because it was like late 1800s early 1900s of doing kind of abstract work which is way before the history books say that abstract started um well which this is, is this is a show that kind of came out of left field for a lot of people also Right, because her work hasn't really been recognized, and of course, it's been around since she made it in the late 1800s <laughs> and early 1900s. Yeah, and I it's just like the detail, the colors, like she would do um, like tempera on paper, so it's very pastel. They're like very sh you know sheer. Um, I mean, I'm not a religious person, but I really, I really felt some spiritualness from it. And, um, and she's, it's funny cause like she's very spiritual, but then she's very like anal on the other side. Cause all, she had all these books and she like documented each painting she did with a black and white photo and then a color, a watercolor on each one and described where it could be shown and to whom. And it's just, I don't know. It was just to see the entire entirety of her work was kind of incredible because and you could see the changes I mean these spirits were telling her what to do but that kind of gradually you know transformed into something else towards the end of her life um yeah it was it was awesome was this a revelation to you do you, do you normally get into spiritual art no I do not um why do you think this was different 
I, um, well, some of the, like, the, the big paintings that she meant for an actual spiritual place um, are huge. They're, they're like, I don't know, eight feet by five feet, I'm guessing. Um, and they're all in one room. And it, it just feels like, um, I wouldn't say an altar. That's a little too... Churchy. Yeah, but but something to stand in front of and contemplate, like like life and evolution. Because and, um, there was a bit of science mixed into it. So I think that made it more accessible for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the whole life-death thing, the circular, there's a lot of spirals in it. Um, yeah, it was really compelling to me. Kind of tying this back in, in your space, you sometimes have two shows at a time. Yeah. And you have, I mean, a fair number of shows a year. How do you decide what to show at your gallery? Because, you know, Austin's not necessarily the economic-minded powerhouse of other Texas cities. So there's a little bit of freedom there in terms of, like, deciding on sellability or not. Yeah. But what do you look for in art that you show? What do I look... Oh, okay. I practice this one. No. <laughs> um, I, I guess I'm, I'm still attracted to well-crafted work. Um, that needs to be an element in, for me personally. Um, but, it, but it can't just be that. There has to be layers underneath that. Um, you know, everyone asks me, how do you go about finding artists? And it's really intuitive and I find it hard to describe. Um, You know, I mean, I know a lot of people, people introduce me to other artists um, and sometimes stuff just hits me. So, I mean, about it being a gut reaction. Yeah. You know, that's interesting because I kind of thought you were going to say it was like a gut reaction. Oh, is that good? <laughs> I mean, a little bit. I mean, it means, you know, we can go back to the, what is it, the aphorism, I, I like what I like, or I know li- what uh, I like. Yes. I mean, I you know, that can sound terrible. I mean, I feel like I've seen a lot of art. I've known a lot of artists. I've done a lot of studio visits. And I've, May will be 10 years for the gallery. Um, so I feel like I've refined... Um, you developed an eye exactly there's also a difference of showing something that I mean I feel like I I feel like I would be willing to show something that maybe I didn't like but that I knew was important yes because there's also the, the you know the whole basis of maybe I don't like it because I'm not connecting with that person's story, but that story is important to tell. Yes. Or maybe like is like is actually the whole the wrong word in this situation, but understand fully would be a better substitute. Maybe I don't understand the work as well as I could, but I know that this story is important and I can tell that the work's good, so yeah. giving a platform for it is a way. Yes. I mean that. and I don't I mean I don't discount that and I try sometimes to force myself to do that. Um It's a learning process too. It's that's the way you grow as a dealer, as a gallerist. Right, right. So as a um, writer in my instance. Yeah, in there's been a, a number of programs, um, like the contemporary, the crit group show that I host. Um 
I see a lot of artists that um, I would maybe pick and then I get to know them and I'm exposed to their work and other shows have developed from that. Um, um, there's a program called Eyes Got It, was this contest for artists. I don't have any say in who gets the final show, um, which is kind of nerve wracking, but I've also shown a lot more sculptural pieces. Um, and yes, so yes, I want to push myself. Well, then you also have an experience of living with a show for a month or a month and a half, which is something that, you know, anyone who visits a gallery never has a chance to do and never has much of a chance to let a show grow on them because we, we move through galleries so fast, we move through museums so fast, and we're probably not going to visit a show more than once. And, you know, I truly believe that like living with art is the best way to actually engage with it because it can kind of slowly like rub off on you over time. Yes. So you get to do that with whatever show you have up, <laughs> no matter if you programmed it or it programmed itself. Self. Right. So yes. So I, yes, I get to know it. Um, I develop a relationship with it and I'm sad every time it goes away. <laughs> That's good. I know. That's a good thing. This sadness is good. Yes. Yeah. It's, yes. But I mean, then I get to meet a new, you know, group and. I'm happy all over again, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of an honor to live with the art, um, because I'll sometimes find myself just standing, like, I don't know, waiting for the microwave to go off or whatever, just staring at a piece, <laughs> you know, and, and finding details that I hadn't seen before, or, um, so, yeah, that's, that's a great perk. I think that's a good place to leave it. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for guest hosting on this the third day at the Satellite Art Show. Thank you. We're at the Satellite Art Fair. I'm Brandon Zeck, and I'm here with you're exhibiting at the fair. Yes. Who are you? I'm Jumper Maybach. And you're from Houston. Correct. What do you do in Houston and why are you here? Well, I'm a painter, abstract painter, and I have a gallery on 19th Street in Houston. In the Houston Heights? In the Houston Heights. Mm -hmm. Then I have my studio in, at Sawyer Yards in the Sabine uh, Studios. Mm -hmm. And I was contacted by Brian if I would uh, exhibit here and uh, participate here at the uh, satellite show here in Austin during South by Southwest. Mm -hmm. At first, I didn't quite understand how wonderful it would be until mm -hmm. I actually got here because it really allowed me to be me. That's a good surprise. Yes, where other fairs is more where they want you to have white walls and black lettering and the fonts that they want everybody to have. I don't think that's ever been Satellite's MO. And, uh, correct. And that's, and that's, that's a good thing. I want to clarify, that's a good thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so here I could actually create a booth that represents me. As you could see, I'm a 
on the clown. Describe for our listeners what you're wearing and what you look like right now. Because right now, I can't do justice to it. Right now, it is an abstract painting of mine that's been transferred into silk. And it is a very 60 with a 21st century flair to it. Mm-hmm. And some days I wear sequined shoes, other days I wear my red shoes. And I'm actually having a, uh, I create a face with a, that is to be a clown, but it actually represents more than the clown. Mm -hmm. If you look at me, the white part of the face is actually a heart. And the rest, the eyes are colors representing love and peace and harmony. And what Jumper is all about is to end hate, intolerance, and bullying in the world. I was uh, attacked on the job and bullied. Every day I had to go on my job and had to feel that pain and suffering. And I actually had to get down on my hands and knees one day and I prayed and people thought I was insane, to be quite honest. And it, it, I eventually heard a voice that I believed it was God mm-hmm. telling me to be Jumper. Mm-hmm. And Jumper is back in the day when my, back in the 1960s when my grandfather was a clown and he told me to be, you know, he put the white face on me and he called me Jumper because I jumped around a lot. That's where Jumper came from. And but I went on through life doing, you know, not being a clown, but he died in 1977. So I when I had that spiritual awakening back in 2011, I I felt like, okay, being told jumper must be my grandfather kind of channeling through me, too. And I was told to paint when I had this spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. Well, my partner, I'm a gay man, so my partner told me, this art needs to be shown. You need to put it out there. So I had a first gallery show, Mm -hmm. and I ended up going to Art Dubai. They kind of pinned me the 21st century Jackson Pollock, and I I met a a, um, movie star there, Pepe Cerner, who played on Scarface, with Al Pacino, he said, you need to put your life story into a film. And that led to him being the executive producer and took three and a half years to film it. But it it turned out to be a film that actually has won several film awards. Mm -hmm. And um, my main mission is to take it, to let it be shown in schools, to show what bullying and what type of just because you're different you shouldn't be treated different Mm -hmm. and i i strongly believe in the reason for jumper and the clown persona is to have people to you know clowns could be should be accepted just like anybody else i want i want people to see jumper as a way to try to you know if you look at jumper and you have some type of fear what causes that fear is it some type of hate that you have projected onto other people can you 
you need to, you know, try to cure that. Well, what I'm trying to sh point out is that through my art, that you should you should really overcome those intolerances. So, the art is a constant archive that in a hundred years, hopefully somebody would look at it. Well, what does that mean? Bullying should end. Well, well, I think that's a pretty overt message also though, which, yes. is, a, which is a good thing in general. The, the things that you do don't seem to have any ambiguity to them. Correct. I, 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 I really want people to, to really embrace the message that is out there that I'm trying to project. And uh, as some people say I'm too, it's too deep. And, but, you know, and, and to be a clown, I've, I've actually have been so much shunned in the art world, the traditional art world. A lot of galleries don't want to take on my art because they tell me that, uh, you know, we don't like the clown persona. We we don't think you'd be accepted. And then somebody told me, well, what do you think about Salvador Dali and Picasso? They all had their personas. Andy Warhol There's had story. white hair, and he was accepted. There's a really long history of artists and their quirky, off-the-wall personas. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. So hopefully as time goes on, maybe they will overcome their intolerances too well thank you for taking the time to come on and show us your persona uh, well thank <laughs> you and you said you're based in houston you have a gallery where can people find it where can people find you i'm at 238 west 19th street in the houston heights and they can find me at uh, instagram jumper underscore maybach and facebook this look under the Jumper Maybach Fine Art Gallery, and Twitter is uh, at Jumper Maybach. Right. Thanks so much. Thank you. So we're sitting outside of the Satellite Art Fair in which you are an exhibitor. Can you introduce yourself and tell our listeners about what you do? Yes, I'm, uh, I'm Kyle Heinle. I do, I guess, some would call abstract expressionism. Um, some would call abstract primitivism. I, w I guess I'm concerned outsider artists in America, but I actually talked to gallerist from Germany mm -hmm. at, at fair that I was just attending a few years ago. And he said that in Germany there are actually no labels when it comes to what kind of artist you are. Mm -hmm. You just do art. <laughs> that's that's a conversation that I've had with a few people about why artists call themselves painters or sculptors or you know it's like are you if you call yourself a painter does that mean you're only going to do paintings for the rest of your life? Very true, and it sort of confines you to a a medium and an idea, and you can't really open your mind and sort of explore as much as you want to. Mm -hmm. if people get too used to you being just one thing. Mm -hmm. So what made you start making art? That's a, that's a really base question, but I mean, how artists came to start making well, art is a really important um, thing. So I was born with certain epilepsy. I didn't 
talk until I was nine years old, didn't walk until I was about 11 years old, didn't move until I was about like maybe four or five. But um, I, so before I spoke, I typed. So I started doing poetry mm -hmm. at the age of 14. And then I started doing poetry on demand. And then I started doing spoken word poetry. And then when, when I was performing spoken word poetry, I actually performed while having a seizure, mm -hmm. <laughs> which was made the poem that much better. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good way to look at that. And yeah. this one guy uh, named Jeff Lipsky, he's from my hometown, um, which is a very conservative part of Florida, near Melbourne, Florida. And I'm actually born and raised in Galley, which is which don't try to find that on map because it's not on anyone. But uh, he's actually a surrealist. So I used to start going to the gallery, and they told me, since I came to him so much, to talk to him, just pick up a paintbrush and paint. So I did, and I had a friend who went by it. So I was like, cool, I can make money. <laughs> that's, that's the most encouraging thing for any artist, is to sell something. Yeah, so... Yeah, my friend still owns it. He has a hanging in his daughter's room back in Melbourne, Florida. Mm -hmm. And then Jeff said, if you paint 80 paintings a month, you become considered as a beginning artist. So I went to my local graffiti shop at the time, got some paint markers because I have more dexterity of paint markers for detail. Mm -hmm. And then um, I painted 80 paintings. I didn't tell Jeff. So then I opened up my own gallery because um, I wanted a gallery for abstract art because where I come from, it's like beach art, traditional art. Florida. Yeah. I mean, fine art. Beach quote, art. Quote unquote fine art. Is there seashell art? <laughs> yes. I love, I love a good seashell There's art, seashells, I have to be honest. Turtles. Loads of turtles. Nice. Flamingos. Trains. <laughs> yeah, everything that you can see outside. It's amazing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's the whole thing. We produce what we see, and we we reproduce nature. Yes, but I used to have hallucinogenic seizures. I I don't see stuff that isn't outside. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I started painting what I didn't see. <laughs> so um, then I opened up my own gallery, which me and Jeff displayed in, and um, I surprised him. My mom has soft opening basically means leaning every single art piece on the wall <laughs> and not telling the city that we opened <laughs> and then inviting people in. <laughs> and and I put out paid paintings he's like, you actually listen to me. Mm -hmm. So me and him painted the same gallery for about five years. Mm -hmm. I, I owned it and I still own the name. It's called Off Center Art Center mm -hmm. and it was based in Ogallet, Florida. Mm -hmm. And it was the first abstract art gallery in how El Gally, Florida. It, how is it received? Because, um, I mean, whenever a place like that opens and the normal okay. art that's being shown is turtles and seashells. So the local legends, let's call them that, uh -huh. came in before he even opened and said, this isn't art. And I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> because art is everything. So basically, anything can be art and art can be anything. Because art is life and life is art. That's my belief. Mm -hmm. So I was like, so you don't think it exists? That's a very existential <laughs> <laughs> question to ask. A person, basically you're saying this thing that you're criticizing does not exist in your mind. Which 
is also really cool to think about. <laughs> so, um, for five years, we're, we're both the best art gallery in the galley on, online. And then I want to travel. And actually, in between that time, I actually got to show with Brian in one of my first art fairs out of my hometown. And it was Miami, and I, I sold during the the uh, grand opening of the show to a guy who was a Canadian mall builder. I'm like, you can meet a lot of interesting people this way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so the guy bought for son's condo that he bought for him in Miami Beach. I'm like, cool. <laughs> And well, that's that's a, that's a settling that's an unsettling experience also to all of a sudden experience an art fair even if you've been running a gallery for yeah, five years because it's, it's, it's nothing total chaos. like yeah yeah because I, at least at your own gallery you can you can like kick out and keep who you want in an art fair everyone comes in and and sometimes you don't come out <laughs> the same way so. Um, I like that experience, and then I want more of that experience, so now I'm displaying, displaying in, like, a few venues down in Florida, like, Starbucks Art League Gallery, mm-hmm. uh, Little Latitudes, uh, Living Room Art Gallery Wine Bar, uh, uh, the, the SBG Fine Arts Gallery, mm-hmm. but, um, this fair is actually the first time I've ever done an out-of-state show. And it's in Austin during South by Southwest. What better time? <laughs> yes, and I thought to myself, what better time? You're right, what better time? And I, I like what I've experienced because Austin is way more liberal mm-hmm. and my art is being way more well-received yeah. than anywhere else I've actually been so That's, far. How, so does far. That, how does that feel? <laughs> it feels um, satisfying because... My whole goal as an artist is to express myself because art is a universal language, I believe. But also because as a person that's handicapped, um, to show other handicapped people that they can make a living doing art, it's also liberating because uh, usually handicapped people are relegated to like grocery baggers, greeters, uh, door people, uh, nothing very liberating where they can have some confidence. So, after I closed the gallery, I started doing nonprofit work where I did an art fair where um, these severely mentally and or physically disabled clients would have art presented and then they'd keep 50% of the commission and then 50% would go towards the nonprofit facility that they were at. And and then now I'm working with um, Children with autism at this place called Great Leaps Academy, which is in Palm Bay, Florida. And I recently did an autism conference where they displayed their art so that parents could see their kids' uh, like thoughts, where some of them were nonverbal. So it's, it's great that you're finding a way to give other people outlets that you kind of had to discover on your own. Yeah, because I, because where I grew up, there was no outlets, I thought, for that. But now, through me doing this, hopefully I inspire other parents to inspire their maybe disabled children to find art or find poetry or find performance art or music and to inspire them to actually show that to people because I think that will um, decrease the stigma 
and allows some really good conversation to to happen that needs to happen mm -hmm. when it comes to the handicapped and how they live mm -hmm. in America and in society. Well, I'm so glad you're here, and I'm so glad you climbed up into this van to talk to us. Yeah, it was a, it was a good trip, but you know, the adventure is the uh, journey, not the destination. <laughs> I think I think a, a, a hyperbolic quote is a really good place to leave off. Yes. <laughs> I like to leave things on a light note. <laughs> That's good. Well, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, and where Brandon, can, right? Brandon, and yes. where can people find you? Um, okay, they can find me on Instagram at Kyle underscore artist. They can find me on Twitter at Kyle Heinley the artist. They can find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash the art of Kyle Heinley. <laughs> and they can find me at www.kyleheinley dash artist dash poet dot com because I also do poetry on demand where I have a typewriter I'm called Mr. Typewriter Man and you give me a prompt one word only or a story and then I write a poem on the spot and it's one of a kind and you get to keep it <laughs> well thank you so much well thank you very much And that concludes day three of the Satellite Art Show in Austin, Texas. There are four other podcasts we recorded at the fair, so keep on the lookout for those. I want to again thank today's guest host, Jill Schroeder. Thanks for listening, and go see some art. <laughs>